Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday, the third day of Black History Month. You're watching American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. And as funny as I think it is to keep mentioning that it's Black History Month with ever actually talking about black history, I decided we'd, we'd change things up a little bit. Instead, I actually uh, put together a collection of clips. Unfortunately, I had to go all the way back to the late 80s and early 90s to find this, but I thought it was pretty illuminating. Here is a uh, just a little montage of black people reminiscing about um, the black community before the government got involved. Let's watch. Tell me about growing up in Louisiana before you moved to Los Angeles. I have the greatest memories of it. A family, uh, so much love. Uh, I knew nothing about segregation, knew nothing about prejudice or uh, any kind of racial dilemmas or whatever. Just a time of love and family, eating together. Um, you just could be whatever you wanted to be. And I, I remember early on, my parents stressing education, the need for education being the key. It was just great. I remember the Sundays, we sat down, we ate together, we walked, you know, to church uh, every Sunday. It was a great, great time. I, mean, I grew up in South Philadelphia. We didn't realize it was segregated. All we knew is that our neighborhood was all black, and we weren't even that conscious of color because the people who owned the store down the street were black, the tailor, the restaurant owners, the undertaker, everybody in the neighborhood, and it was a very small... Uh, street, working, everybody worked, blue-collar, essentially. Very close-knit neighborhood. Uh, everyone had over four children. <laughs> we played in the streets together. And uh, the level of interest in education was just profound. I mean, I mean, even to this day, I don't think I've ever, ever had such a positive educational experience that I did in my first six years because um, uh, school was an integral part of the community. We had a black superintendent, a uh, uh, black principal, all the teachers were black. Uh, many of them didn't live in the neighborhood either. Contrary to popular belief, they were middle-income people who lived elsewhere. But their hearts and their souls were into those kids. Uh, I remember that third grade and fourth grade plays were always uh, conducted in the evenings so that parents could attend. And an auditorium that seated maybe 400, 500 people was standing room only for third and fourth grade play. Um, up until 1959, 78% of all black families had a man and a woman in them. That's a fact. Teen pregnancy was, uh, was looked down upon. Um, sexual activity among kids, uh, everyone bragged about it, no one did it. <laughs> and, uh, but if someone became pregnant, if there was an aunt in the South, uh, they would go there. They, so that the, the, the moral standards and ethical standards for people living in those communities was extremely high. It had little to do with your income. Um, Many of us were poor without realizing that we were poor. Uh, during the war years, I thought everyone um, had one pair of shoes. Uh, today, I have a lot of shoes because of those early experiences. Oh, yeah. I mean, the discipline was in the community. I mean, you didn't speak back to an adult. The thought of, a, of an elderly person being disrespected was, was just unheard of. And teachers were never disrespected. In the black community, we were prepared by setting certain goals, 
objectives for ourselves. This was done primarily in the home, in the church, and in the school at that particular time because schools had a heavy reinforcement into our characters because they were black schools. Uh, schools were not integrated at that time. Uh, you know, do the best that you can with your life. You are unique. You have a contribution to make. You have something to offer. You have a talent. You have skills. Many, many other things that you do have. Go on out there into the world and get them. And so it, it, it imposed a kind of discipline. And again, it, it was a discipline that had little to do with how much money you made. There was a sense of comfort, a sense of well-being, a sense of oneness between the school and the, uh, and the community. It sounds like actually a wonderful time, actually. Really Absolutely. Time to grow. It really was. And uh, the issue of white people, was never, it was never an issue. It was never discussed. The most exciting thing in our community is when Joe Lewis was fighting on Friday night on the radio. It's Friday, February 3rd, Year of Our Lord, 2023. And... You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. I think it's time. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal. I am your host, Harrison Smith. What a show we have for you today. I have so many videos that I just absolutely have to play for you. Everything from Zelensky calling for preemptive nuclear strikes on Russia to Democrats uh, bouncing around like meth heads in the uh, Congress. Just... Wild stuff across the board. We'll take your phone calls as well. I'll be joined by Dan Miller of the Texas Nationalist Movement a little bit later in the show as well. We'll do our Daily Dispatch in just a second, but just since I didn't have time to comment on it right there, I did want to finish up my thoughts about the video that you just watched. Again, the first video, I'm sure you recognize him, Johnny Cochran. I was during an interview in, must have been 1992, 1994, something like that, around the time of the OJ trial where he's describing life in Louisiana. The other guy uh, is from a, it was unused footage from a PBS documentary talking about growing up in South Philadelphia. South Philadelphia, you think people growing up there would describe it the same today? The, the family, the community, the focus on school, the respect for elder. You think any of that exists still? No, it's all gone away. It's interesting, isn't it? Because as they described this, everything they described was inborn, wasn't it? It was all self-enforced. It wasn't, something imposed upon the black community. It was the black community themselves actually upholding themselves and keeping each other to account and running their own businesses. And it's, it's almost sad because you almost have to go back to the early 1990s to find people who were alive who could tell you about that, about what it was like growing up in the 50s and 60s. And you can hear it. They describe it much the same way you would hear any white person describe their childhood in the 1950s and 60s. Again, because it was inborn, and this was all just before the government came in to help. Mm, you know, you're doing pretty well, but we think you could use our assistance to do a little better. You know, flash forward 40 years, and the black community has been more or less utterly destroyed. There's a picture that's been going around that sort of illustrates it pretty well, actually. A typical black family in 1960, and, and when I say the term typical, I'm not using it lightly. I'm using it literally, right? The average, the most common example would be a family with a mother and a father, uh, both in the house, married together with their kids. Dad usually had a job. Mom would be at home looking after the kids. Cut to 2019. And it's not just the average. Like It's almost an inverse, right? 78% 
of black children in the 50s and 60s had both parents in the home. Now about 78% of the kids don't, uh, which even that, I mean, over half the black kids in places like New York City don't even get to be born. They get aborted uh, before they ever exist. So what really happened? Have we gotten more racist since then? Was it racism that caused this or was it the inverse? Was it enforced dependency on the government? And we talked about it a million times. The fact that black Americans could go from literally below zero slavery, not allowed to read, not allowed to have families, sell your wife away to, to make a, a quick buck in 100 years, less than 100 years, to almost parity, especially in terms of things that matter like you know family cohesion and number of kids, that sort of stuff, almost parity with their white counterparts. And then the government – and then the government comes in to assist. And it destroys the whole thing. So again, I think it's it's worth mentioning. Also, of course, one of the side effects of the fact that you don't have strong family structures widely in the black community. And again, I I don't I, I really shouldn't have to qualify anything I say here because you should be intelligent enough to understand what I mean when I say that. You know, when I'm using an example like this, I'm sure there's black people out there like, but my family is coherent. Yes, I know, but 78 percent of them aren't, and that's a problem. So. Let's focus on the, the wider statistical reality rather than the uh, you know, personal, personal anecdotes. Uh, and you can, you can you – know, one, one of the side effects of not having intergenerational cohesion in the black community is that, well, if your dad's not around, I doubt his dad's not around. I doubt his dad's around, right? So you know, who's going to be there to tell kids what it was like? If there's no old people around, if there's no grandparents there to tell you the stories, what it was like when they were growing up, then maybe you believe the mainstream media that it was just uh, a hellish, you know, just constant oppression, constant hatred. You couldn't do anything. That's not how the people that were alive then explained it. But, you know, if all you're going on is the media and you don't actually have any extended family to uh, relate to, then it's easier to convince you that uh, life was different than what it really was. So I'd like to get back to that. Somehow, but unfortunately, uh, our government and the liberals that support it always double down constantly forever, and it doesn't matter if it's – if they're proven wrong in a month or a year or 50 years down the line, their strategies still aren't working. They stick with them, and they continue to press for the exact same things over and over and over regardless of the fact that the people it's supposed to help are ultimately destroyed by it. It doesn't matter to them. What matters to them is uh, that they're – wrong ideas be continually pushed regardless of the the effects that they have so uh, pretty horrific stuff actually what's been done to the black community over the last 50 years and of course it corresponds in a one-to-one matter uh, in a one-to-one manner to the increase of government intervention in uh, the lives of these people so I, th- I thought that was interesting i always think it's fascinating going back to the early 1990s and watching whether it's famous or unknown people talk about their childhoods and just how incredibly different it is than the wider portrayal and the portrayal that most people believe. There's a video that I think I showed here, uh, Robot Polisher edited. It was a rant I was going on where I was talking about, uh, if you could go back in time and pull somebody from the past, from the 1910s or 20s or 50s or 40s and brought them here, they would like they wouldn't be able to handle it. it would be so bad to them like they 
They would reject it outright. They would demand to go back to the time before. Oh, but what about medical advancements? Yeah, that's nice. But have you have you watched TV recently? Right? It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So they'd want to go back. And uh, when Robot Polisher published that video on Twitter, a black guy responded saying, well, not for black people. You know, but it was way worse for black. It wasn't, though. It wasn't. I guarantee if you took a black person from the 1950s, even one that was subject to, like, brutal, you know, uh, oppression or segregation that they didn't like back then if you brought them forward and showed them drag queen story time they would be wrestling the time machine controls out of your hand get me the hell out of here they would return to the 1950s and go "Mm -mm, mm, we gotta we gotta get out of here we gotta do something i gotta change the trajectory because i went into the future just now and you wouldn't believe the type of crap that i've seen you wouldn't believe the type of stuff they're doing to humanity there's no way that what's going on right now you know, would somehow be a positive development from the 1950s. It's horrifying. It's horrifying what they're doing now. And uh, I think people from the past would recognize that no matter what race they are. And again, you know, I don't want to get confused here. It's not like it was better when black people were oppressed and kept down. I think there's different inputs. There's different independent variables that go into this the primary one is government intervention and i think this was the poison pill of the civil rights movement this is the government in that you can just picture them in like a sleazy trench coat like the like the fox from pinocchio or something just going oh yeah oh you want uh, you want equal rights do you well tell you what we'd give you equal rights but we want to give you even more. Why don't we also give you welfare? Why don't we also give you abortion? Why don't we also give you affirmative action? Mm, isn't that better? Won't this be nice? Uh, and then, you know, just like Pinocchio, everybody turns into jackasses. That's just how it goes. So it was a poison pill. It was a lie. There was absolutely no reason why civil rights and equal rights and equal representation under the law has to, is necessarily combined with government subsidies and subsidizing the failures in your community subsidizing misbehavior covering up for you know uh, bad actors within your uh, your community that that ultimately destroy it there's no reason why those two things have to be intertwined and if we could go back in time can you imagine if we just had one and not the other if we just had the equalization of rights and the fulfillment of the promises of the constitution without the socialism can you imagine where we'd be right now It'd be, a, it'd be a much better thing. That's your black history lesson from InfoWars.com. Brought to you by InfoWarsStore.com. Go there now to support us as we fight for all of humanity against the forces that destroy us all. Each in our own particular way. The good news is the Real Red Pill Plus, after over two years being sold out because the key ingredients were not available with supply chain breakdowns, is finally back in stock in the last month. The bad news is we did a limited run of it, and it's almost sold out. So we're in late January when I'm cutting this. Only seven days left to get the Real Red Pill Plus with all the key ingredients like Preglinone and more at InfoWarsStore.com for 50% off. Whether you're old or young, black or white, it doesn't matter. You need to experience Real Red Pill Plus. It's proprietary. It's amazing. I learned about it from a research scientist and a medical doctor who had a similar formula five years ago. We simply made it stronger, and we have great reviews from listeners. Get the Real Red Pill Plus for a limited time. It's about to end at InfoWarsStore.com for 50% off. You need to try the Real Red Pill Plus right now. Plus, it funds the InfoWar. The only way we fail is if you don't take action. 
Real Red Pill Plus, now available at 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com for only a few more days. Like a rock thrown into a pond, your actions, even though they may seem little, have a massive ripple effect throughout time and space. We're actually winning the info war. And when you realize that Bandot Video has hundreds and hundreds of censored directors and investigative journalists and talk show hosts whose information is beyond incredible, hundreds of medical doctors and scientists, all of them right now telling the truth at Bandot Video. Millions of people a day visiting Bandot Video. But you can take that information and cause a bigger ripple effect, an amplifying effect, and make sure it gets out to your friends, your family, your neighbors, and perfect strangers. You are the modern Paul Revere's. You are what takes our information and amplifies it. When you decide to take action, we as a species and as a race are invincible. So I thank you all for your past action, and I challenge you to redouble your efforts now because humanity and the children are counting on you. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have just so much to cover today. And uh, let's just get into it. We got lots of videos to show you. We'll be joined by Dan Miller of the Texas Nationalist Movement in the second hour. In the third hour, we'll open up the phone lines for your calls. We got all sorts of things to discuss today, each more absurd than the last. I hope that you can support us by going to InfoWarsStore.com. Take advantage of our massive sales, such as Ultimate Bone Broth Plus, Plus is back in stock, 25% off. Brain Force Plus, 25% off. All of the InfoWars MD products are 25% off. Down and Out, one of my favorite products, is 40% off. Go there now, support yourself, and support us. It is a true 360 win as we fight for humanity against the globalist horde, the globalist robot horde. Uh, now, without any further ado, let's get into it. Here it is, your Daily Dispatch. All right, here it is, folks, your Daily Dispatch for Friday, the 3rd of February, 2023. U.S. military monitoring suspected Chinese spy balloon. The U.S. military is currently monitoring a suspected Chinese spy balloon that's been hovering for several days over the northern United States. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder said in a statement on Thursday that the high-altitude surveillance balloon poses no immediate threat to the United States and will be monitored for the time being. (laughs) Oh, Lord, the number of things to say about this. Good God. So you're just going to let it spy then? Yeah, it doesn't pose a threat because it's there to spy on everyone. You're just you're spying on the spy balloon while it spies on us. Great. Fantastic. Truly amazing. The latest in this, uh, the Chinese spy balloon has been uh, granted asylum by the uh, Biden administration and will be receiving its driver's license very soon. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm sorry. The Chinese spy balloon has been elected to Congress and it's advocating for socialism. Very strange. Very strange things going on in the United States right now. You got to wonder why why are they spying on Montana? What do they think is going on there? Here's some footage that was captured from a, a local news outlet of the uh, spy balloon. I think that's the the moon at first. She zooms in on the moon at first, then goes over to the uh, spy balloon. The spy balloon is like the size of three buses or something. Why not just shoot this thing down? That's what I'm confused about. What is 
what is the reticence here of shooting this thing? Why would you not want it? It's above rural Montana. I mean, I, you're not. I don't think it's threatening to run into any you know metropolises over there. No, no shade at Montana. I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna want to shoot down a giant spy balloon, Montana might be the place you want to do it. Nice big wide open places where no one uh, will get hurt. But apparently they've known about this for a while uh, for a while now, and they're just letting it they're just letting it go around. They're just letting it fly around. It also apparently flew over the Aleutian Islands and through Canada. I have to just think this is just a flex by China. Anthony Blinken's about to go over to Beijing to do a meeting with them, and this really seems like just setting the stage uh, to further humiliate the Biden administration. Like they're not trying to hide it. Like they could probably spy in the same way from satellites and never be detected but like they want us to know that they're doing this it's like a it's like a flex it's also something that would have never happened under donald trump do you think they would have risked that i don't think so so we'll keep you up to date on this there's some more information about it as well but uh it's just very bizarre it's just a very bizarre story but luckily you know they're not the this is this is a, a spy balloon it's not the war balloons that the palestinians are using to try to make Israel not exist, but balloons, a new weapon of war in the future. It's like we're reverting back to the early 1800s. Meanwhile, Republicans oust Ilhan Omar from high-profile U.S. House Committee. U.S. House of Representatives Republicans on Thursday ousted Democratic, uh, Democrat Ilhan Omar from high-profile committees over remarks widely condemned as anti-Semitic two years after the Democrats removed two Republicans from committee resi- uh, assignments. I remind you, also for making comments that were deemed anti-Semitic. it's just both parties changing precedent and you know uh, further destabling our democracy to prove that they're the less anti-semitic ones don't you love it don't you love this it's really amazing We'll, we'll get into this a little bit later we'll show you some of the speeches from the house floor if you can call them that the 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 bouncing revival style speeches that were given we'll do a little compare and contrast when marjorie taylor green was kicked off of committees in exactly the same way for almost exactly the same reason and we'll look at some we'll compare and contrast some of the some of the reactions both from the people being kicked off the committees and the responses of the parties around them meanwhile tragic story here but unfortunately utterly predictable new jersey councilwoman eunice Dwumfor shot and killed authorities say in a targeted attack against this republican representative so we'll just add that to the list of just open democratic terrorism that's taken place over the last couple years as our military industrial complex and spy state apparatus continues to exclusively target non-existent white supremacists uh the left is just literally assassinating politicians and getting away with it it's pretty incredible stuff 30 year old councilwoman in the borough of sayerville new jersey was found shot to death in her car on wednesday according to authorities she was found with multiple gunshot wounds pronounced dead on the scene she was inside her car in her home when she was shot it appeared to be a again targeted attack on this woman not not the result of theft gone wrong or anything of the sort but probably something to do with her political activities I doubt they'll even investigate it. Uh, meanwhile, you know, <laughs> just, let's just keep those last stories in mind as we move on to the next one. FBI planning to build head, new headquarter building twice the size of the Pentagon's, of the Pentagon building. 
Now, I remind you, when the Pentagon building was built, and it may still to this day be the largest office building in the entire world, absolutely enormous, almost incomprehensible, the size of this complex. The FBI want a complex twice the size, and why would we give that to them? <laughs> what? Why? Why would we do that? They they they're terrible. The, all they do is spy on Americans. All they do is fabricate false flag domestic terror attacks to justify their own targeting of Americans. How about the FBI proves that they're worth even existing anymore? But again, you got you've really got to ima- uh, you've really got to admire the chutzpah of these people, right? The true like they just. They're constantly under fire. They're constantly being exposed. Over the last year, it's like whistleblower after whistleblower has exposed. They're like, there are more people investigating domestic terror than there are domestic terrorists. And just like the FBI coordinated all of this. It's just like time and time again, it's exposed how utterly and horrifically corrupt the FBI is. And they don't even acknowledge it. Instead, they come out and go, oh, really? Oh, you think we're corrupt? Well, I'll tell you what. We want a gigantic raise and a couple more billion dollars and expanded powers and a new building. Give it to us. It's just like, wow, you really – the temerity, the, the, the temerity of you people. It's really incredible. It's really incredible. It's really pushing us uh, beyond, uh, beyond the ability to, to endure it. So maybe that's the point. Really incredible stuff. Of course, the Republicans are not going to stop this. As we're seeing the Republican true colors come to the surface, bubble up to the surface. It's like yesterday, the Republican National Committee, like, tweeting out pictures of George Bush. Nobody on Twitter, like, read the room, bro. Not the right thing to do. Now, Kevin McCarthy is given an interview where he says the coward cop who shot Ashley Babbitt, quote, did his job. It was a good thing. It's a good thing that, that Michael Byrd uh, murdered an innocent woman. And these are the Republicans. It's just... In case you haven't lost all hope, go ahead and and finish out any hope you may have uh, still in you. I talk a lot about the great successes InfoWars has had. I don't think anybody can deny it. And it is because of listeners and viewers supporting us. But when we talk about the crew at InfoWars, people behind the scenes, the researchers, the writers, they really have been the MVPs in this fight. And when you look at Harrison Smith and Owen Schroyer and the hard work they engage in every day, five, six, seven days a week, it's really just incredible. So for myself, the whole InfoWars crew, I thank you for your past support. I only encourage you now to realize that InfoWars cannot stay on air if you do not support us. I know you spread the word. I know you pray for us. and That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But most viewers and listeners never go to InfoWarsStore.com and you never buy great products that enrich and empower your life while at the same time keep us on air. I know that less than 1% of our listeners actually go buy products at InfoWarsStore.com. If just 1% more of you took action and went to InfoWarsStore.com, our funding problems will be over. Please take action now. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to uh, Backward, Upside Down, Stupid World. Just, just incredible. So we're going to talk a little bit about politics here. We have a bunch of other stuff to, to talk about. We'll expand our scope 
a little bit later. I don't even like talking about American politics anymore. I'm sort of, sort of over it. Sort of over it. Especially with some of the headlines out about uh, Kevin McCarthy recently. But here's the, the big story today. Republicans oust Ilhan Omar from high-profile U.S. House Committee. U.S. House of Representative Republicans on Thursday ousted Democrat Ilhan Omar from high-profile committee over remarks widely condemned as anti-Semitic two years after Democrats removed two Republicans from committee assignments. So again, this relates back to the thing we were talking about uh, a couple weeks or earlier this week or last week where the Democrats were freaking out going, the Republicans are going to start doing all of the things we do to them, and it's unacceptable. We cannot allow this. We cannot allow a tit-for-tat. We just want tits here. That's all. No tat, no, no pushing back, no doing to us what we did to you. That's unacceptable. We are allowed to do whatever the hell we want, but when it's done to us, it's an outrage. So hilarious, right? Uh, but obviously this is uh, just sort of pointless showboating on both sides. Before we get into the reaction of the Democrats, the reaction of Ilhan Omar herself, I want to first do a little, little rewind, go back in time. And remind ourselves of what the response was when this exact same thing, but in a much more egregious and less logical way, happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene. We'll we'll compare the two, right? See, Ilhan Omar, I guess, is being ousted uh, because of remarks that she made a a while ago where she talked about uh, saying it's all about the Benjamins baby. Deeply divided House voted 18, uh, 218 to 211 along party lines to remove Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee with Republicans citing 2019 remarks for which he later apologized. One Republican voted present. Republicans who won a narrow House victory in November's election after years in the minority said they wanted Omar, a third-term House member, off foreign affairs for statements that included a 2019 tweet which read, It's all about the Benjamins baby, suggesting that Israel's supporters in U.S. politics were motivated by money rather than principle. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Israel, like Israel APAC, right? It's like the only group that both sides of the aisle just breathlessly endorse. And it has a lot to do with the money that they provide. The Jewish lobbies are the biggest donators to both the Democrat and the Republican parties. This is not an inaccurate statement. I actually, actually agree with Ilhan Omar here, not for the reasons that she says, because, well, she's dumb. I don't think she I don't I really don't think she in fact what she said was she was not aware that there was a trope an anti-semitic trope about Jews and money it's like come on come on what what are you talking about lady like that's embarrassing just own it just just own what you said but no she's gonna she's gonna back down now compare that to Marjorie Taylor Greene who liked a post on Facebook that talked about weather weapons or space Weapons, perhaps using lasers to ignite fires on Earth, which is a well-documented military strategy. Like it's definitely possible theoretically whether it's been put into action or not. We'll never know because obviously it would be kept secret. But to say such a thing is not ridiculous. But apparently that got morphed through the media into Jewish space lasers because you, t- you know what is – you know what's not an anti-Semitic trope is Jewish space lasers. What, how is that <laughs> – how is that anti-Semitic – like what? Uh, it makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. But it's also hilarious that both sides of the aisle are just like, we will set new precedent. We will overrun the previous and traditional actions of the House, but only and solely when it comes to the Jewish issue. Incredible stuff. 
Omar and uh, other Democrats said that such remarks were made years ago and that Omar had deleted the post and apologized at the time. It's literally exactly what it says about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. Uh, like, like almost, almost verbatim. But what's really interesting is the, you know, first of all, that they were setting a precedent with this and they were talking about it at the time. This is an article from uh, NPR in 2021. Uh, Representative Tom Cole, our uh, Republican program, distanced himself from Green's past rhetoric, but said the issue of kicking her off committees could be adjudicated by the House, House Ethics Committee. They say what the majority is really proposing to do today is to establish a new standard for pushing for punishing members for conduct before they even became a member. He said this change opens up troubling questions about how we judge future members of Congress and whether or not we as an institution should impose sanctions on members for actions they took before they were even candidates for office. To which the reaction was, of course, from the left, uh, shut up. We're going to be in power forever. So it doesn't matter what precedents we set. And now that the she was on the other foot. Uh, they're flipping out and literally crying like babies on the floor of Congress about the precedent that, again, they set. Really incredible stuff. Uh, the ouster, uh, led by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, was viewed by Democrats as revenge for their voting in 2021 to remove House uh, remove Republicans Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar from their committee assignments over incendiary remarks. Yeah, it, it probably was. It probably was. In, 2000, uh, in 2021, Green compared COVID-19 mask requirements and vaccinations to the Nazi Holocaust that killed 6 million Jews. She eventually apologized. Of course, it was also Holocaust survivors that were making that comparison, but ignore that part of the, the conflict. Uh, before 2020 election Congress, she voiced unfounded conspiracy theories. In other words, she liked a post on Facebook, including an anti-Semitic claim suggesting a space laser possibly was used to deliberately start a California wildfire. Again, I don't, I don't get where the connection is. Like, honestly, and I, it's like I don't want to keep reusing the same joke, but it, the same thing keeps happening. So I don't know what else to say. Like yesterday when it was like I want to be able to go 15 minutes from my house without requiring a permission slip from the principal. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize you were anti-Semitic. Didn't realize you hated Jews. Same thing, right? It's like these wildfires are very mysterious. The trees are, you know, the houses are burned, but the trees are left completely untouched. Metal is melting, but the plastic around the metal isn't uh, melted at all. Like, what is going on here? Uh, maybe this is a space weapon. Maybe there's a satellite that is, you know, igniting fires on Earth uh, through some sort of laser beam. Which, by the way, totally reasonable, totally possible. Pick up any popular mechanics magazine or look at any declassified white paper about you know military technology especially experimental uh and you'll see that not only is this possible it would actually be extremely effective in warfare uh, as a especially soft warfare before you declare war you don't think that pentagon is even now suggesting perhaps we do this to russia start like burning their crops uh from satellites in space totally possible totally real not strange at all but again it's like it's like, wow, very mysterious fires. A lot of inconsistencies here. A lot of strange things that are happening in this fire that haven't happened elsewhere. Do you think this could be a space weapon? They're just like, so you hate Jews, do you? Just like, uh, I'm talking about a laser from space. And they're like, mm-hmm, typical. Just like the Nazi propaganda we're used to. It's just like, what the hell are you talking about? It's just a late, like, it's, it's so bizarre how these things happen, truly. And inexplicably bizarre. Uh, they say there has to be accountability. Ilhan Omar has apologized. She has indicated she'll learn from her mistakes and was building bridges with the Jewish community. This isn't about accountability. It's about political revenge. Uh, if it was about political revenge, good. Then it should be. You set the precedent. 
we fulfill it. That's how it goes. That's why you don't do the things that we keep telling you not to do, and then you do them. So now we have to, now we have to hold up our end of the bargain, as it were. I should kick more people off this. I don't even think you have to give them a reason. Who cares? Find a find a Facebook like that they did 15 years ago and blame it on that. Doesn't matter. And of course, in response to this, we'll show the videos in the next segment. Uh, the Democrats made absolutely hilariously embarrassing spectacles out of themselves on the House floor, uh, alternatively crying and, and bouncing around like they themselves are on Hitler levels of meth. But it's worth – and again, we'll show those in just a second. But if we go back in time and we see when this happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene, were the Republicans bouncing around like pinballs on the on the House floor uh, calling this an outrage, uh, you know – saying it was because she was a woman and Democrats just hate women, obviously. No, of course not. At the time, McCarthy issued a statement uh, condemning Green's past comments, as did uh, Mitch McConnell, leaders Mitch McConnell and others, calling rhetoric like hers a cancer on the GOP. Do you notice the difference between the way Democrats support each other versus the way Republicans support the Democrats? It's very interesting. The cavalry has arrived. Ultimate bone broth is the strongest, highest quality chicken-based bone broth you're going to find with all of the effects for your joints, your bones, your muscles, your heart, but more importantly, your immune system. Everybody knows about grandma and chicken broth. Well, this is concentrated chicken broth, the strongest out there with chaga mushroom and a whole bunch of other ingredients like turmeric. The list goes on and on. This is definitely the strongest, best bone broth out there. And your purchase supports the Info War, a 360 win. If you've not experienced bone broth, and even the regular ones have great effects, believe me, you want to get InfoWars Life Ultimate Bone Broth at InfoWarsTore.com. Now, it'll take an hour to tell you all the great stuff about it. Just go to InfoWarsTore.com, read the facts there, and then order some, and you can't lose. It's nutritive, it empowers your body, it's great for your immune system, with bones and joints, and it funds the InfoWar. So, Ultimate Bone Broth, now back in stock at InfoWarsTore.com for 25% off. The eugenicists, over 100 years ago, were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda at the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding is our normal biological actions and coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, folks. I gotta I gotta really press down the accelerator here because we have so much to get to today. We'll be joined by Dan Miller in the next hour and taking your phone calls in the third, but so many videos to show you and so many things to talk about. I, I really gotta really got to double down on the speed here. So, uh, again, we're, we're, we're doing a little compare and contrast to 
when Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar were kicked off of their committees versus now that the Republicans for once and hey, congratulations, guys, you actually fulfilled a, a promise for once. You actually are doing to the Democrats what they did to you. It's incredible. Of course, it's for the benefit of a foreign nation, which is always sort of traitorous to me. But hey, whatever. I guess, you know, at least you're doing something. <laughs> Just incredible. That's really what it's about, right? Can't, can't be anti-Israel. We're Israel. Wait a second. They're also anti-American and they're in the American uh, Congress. So I guess it's all up in the air at this point. Story from InfoWars, GOP kick Ilhan Omar off committee over, uh, off committee over criticism of Israel. AOC says Omar was actually targeted for being a woman of color. Oh, Lord. You know, half of me is like imagining what it would be like if we'd responded, if they, if the Republicans had responded the same way with Marjorie Taylor Greene, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, because it would actually make more sense, right? Ilhan Omar comes out and is like, I'm innocent because I didn't realize that there's a trope about Jews and money. <laughs> what? I had no idea. It's like, <laughs> if you know one trope, it's that. Like, that's, that is the trope, right? So, you know, spare us your act. It's, it's absurd and, and outrageous. But it would actually make sense for Marjorie Taylor Greene to be like, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was a trope that Jews have space lasers, because that's not a trope, and that makes no sense. What are you talking about? It would actually be a, a decent response from her, but that's not what happened. And also, you know, I don't necessarily want Republicans bouncing around like hyperactive rabbits on the House floor simultaneously uh, giving a, a Southern Baptist sermon and crying at the same time on the floor of the con- – like th- this is all embarrassing for all of us. So I don't think I necessarily want that. But what I would like is a little bit of support. What I would like is a little bit of backbone from the Republicans and not bending over at every pass for the Democrats. So let's take a look now at, at how the Republicans responded. I know you've probably seen these videos because they've been played over and over, but we'll just – we'll do a little touch, a little, little preview of them. Uh, first, we'll start with AOC uh, giving her in very sort of Hitlerian-style uh, speech on the floor, only in that she looks like she's on copious amounts of pharmaceutical-grade amphetamine. So let's watch uh, AOC uh, just once again flailing about embarrassingly. <laughs> let's watch. Don't tell me that this is about an abdic- a-, a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican oh, caucus who, have t- who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to oh, some of hurts. the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in, oh, the, yeah, in the United States of America. Yeah, that's what Don't it is, tell of course. Me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Oof. I didn't realize I was holding my breath that whole time. It's the cringe, man. The cringe is real with these people, and it, and it, it physically hurts to watch them exist. Uh, she wasn't the only one. Let's go now to uh, Rashida Tlaib. This one's even worse. Censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week. They introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are... The free speech warriors today, the hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar will not be silenced. The gentlewoman's time has expired. To Omar, I am so sorry, expired. that our country is failing you today through this chamber. You belong The gentlewoman is no longer recognized, and the, the gentleman from Mississippi is recognized. 
Shut up! <laughs> Madam Speaker, I reserve. <laughs> Gentlewoman from... All right, all right, we can take it down. Uh, yeah, good Lord. Good Lord. And again, hilarious, right? Just like... The American people see the hypocrisy. And it's just like, we are literally doing to you what you did to us. Who is being the hypocrite here? You hysterical weirdos. Uh, they weren't the only ones. Uh, later in a, in a committee, uh, the, uh, another congresswoman, another uh, congresswoman of color, I should say, uh, sounded off uh, in an equally passionate diatribe. Let's go now to clip number uh, 21. Now I may have lost my train of thought several minutes ago, but if I continue to talk like this, no one will notice. And when I stop, you will applaud my energy. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, we're living in a parody, folks. We truly are. So again, the point here is that they are literally embarrassing themselves and like hyperactively like weeping on the on the House floor uh, because the Republicans are doing to them what the Democrats did in the first place. So this is the level of like institutional support that every member of Congress on the Democratic side gets. Meanwhile, flashback back in time. McCarthy released a statement Wednesday night when Marjorie Taylor Greene was kicked off condemning Greene's past comments but didn't indicate that party disciplinary action would be taken against her. Uh, Where's the next one? Uh, Greene has been rebuked by many in her party, including Senator Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who called rhetoric like hers a cancer on the GOP. It's just – you'll want to know. It's like this is everything, right? You want to know why Republicans lose? It's because of this. It's because of this. Because of just the most tame and non-important Facebook post by Marjorie Taylor Greene. One of the things they were upset about: Marjorie Taylor Greene had a Facebook post where she held a gun. <gasps> that was one of the reasons they kicked her off the committees. And in response to this, she gets called a cancer by the senator, Senate Minority Leader, and the House Minority Leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, basically agrees and condemns her comments like that's the type of institutional non-support republicans get that's why they lose and then if you want to know why our country is losing it's because the people that are running our country have the emotional maturity of hyperactive children so everything is getting worse for all of these reasons they all combine right one exacerbates the other and uh, we all pay the price it really is incredible now i'm going to save some of this stuff to talk about uh with Dan Miller, when he comes on to uh, talk about a solution to all of this, just getting rid of the federal government, essentially. But just some other you know, headlines, just in case you thought Republicans, that the fact that Republicans were actually ousting Ilhan Omar meant that they were growing a backbone of some sort. Uh, they're also doing other indescribably bizarre things. Republicans will have a Spanish response to the State of the Union. Freshman Congressman Juan Sicomani will deliver an official Spanish language response to President Joe Biden's February 7th State of the Union, which is oh, it's so nice. It's not so – it's great. I love it. I, I love that I'm, I'm in a country where I was born and where my family has been for over nine generations, and soon I won't be able to understand my own government because they'll speak a language I don't speak. It'll be great, right? Right now, it's the response to the State of the Union. Maybe in an election cycle or two, the State of the Union will be in Spanish, and I won't be able to even understand what my government is saying anymore. Won't that be fun? So again, just 
bringing us that, bringing us that way. It's like we can, you know, you can. And they're like, this this comes as increasing number of Latino voters are turning towards Republicans. It's like, is that because you you pandered to them and spoke Spanish, or is that because they're conservative and want to be Americans? And so they like America, so you can just keep acting like America and not act like Mexico. Uh, Is this that complicated? Kevin McCarthy also says the coward cop who shot Ashley Babbitt, quote, did his job. He was asked whether the uh, Capitol Force officer Michael Byrd, who murdered Ashley Babbitt at point-blank range without a warning shot while she was within reach of multiple other police officers, by the way, whether that was doing his job or whether – this, whether she was murdered, and McCarthy responded, I think the police officer did his job. Did his job. Air Force veteran of 14 years, peacefully wandering through the Capitol. Look, there are the police right there. there that, that's, an off, that's a Capitol police officer. There's two of them right there. They move out of the way to allow the people forward. And then as the people move forward, it was, like a, it was like a trap. It was just a straight-up trap. So Ken McCarthy thinks this was a good thing, thinks it's good that Ashley Babbitt was shot in the chest at point-blank range by Michael Byrd, who was hiding behind a wall when he fired. And she was both – she was literally surrounded by – there were police in front of her and there were police behind her. And they, neither one of them was trying to stop her. The ones in front actually moved out of the way so she could move forward. And then she was murdered. Uh, and then no investigation was done and he wasn't even interviewed by authorities to determine what the conditions were. And then he was given – a a big raise and, and a GoFundMe of hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, given an interview on ABC where he was treated like a hero. And Kevin McCarthy's in favor of that. So goodbye, hope. Goodbye, last little bit of hope that we ever had of saving this country or of our politicians realizing the situation that we're in. <sighs> like dust in the wind, it goes away and America goes with it. Stay with us, folks. We'll be back on the other side of the second hour. It gets better, I think. Trust me or don't. I talk a lot about the great successes InfoWars has had. I don't think anybody can deny it. And it is because of listeners and viewers supporting us. But when we talk about the crew at InfoWars, people behind the scenes, the researchers, the writers, they really have been the MVPs in this fight. And when you look at Harrison Smith and Owen Schroyer and the hard work they engage in every day, five, six, seven days a week, it's really just incredible. So for myself, the whole InfoWars crew, I thank you for your past support. And I want to encourage you now to realize that InfoWars cannot stay on air if you do not support us. I know you spread the word. I know you pray for us. and That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But most viewers and listeners never go to InfoWarsStore.com and you never buy great products that enrich and empower your life while at the same time keep us on air. I know that less than 1% of our listeners actually go buy products at InfoWarsStore.com. If just 1% more of you took action and went to InfoWarsStore.com, our funding problems will be over. Please take action now. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. Tell me, you're about their menstrual cycle, so people have to investigate that down the line. Yeah. Well, that is a little concerning. 
It actually shouldn't be interfering with that, so we don't really it, it shouldn't? It shouldn't. Like, oh. But is it? There's something happening, but we don't know what's going Well, I mean, you're a urologist, so you must understand, like, what's going on with it, right? Like, so that's why I understand that it's weird. I hope we don't find out that, like, there's somehow this mRNA, like, lingers in the body, and then it, like, has... Because it has to be impacting something hormonal stuff. impact menstrual cycles? Yeah, or, like, the entire next generation is, like, super... Could you imagine the scandal? Oh my god, I'd be, I'd take Pfizer off my resume. Another chapter of our interview with Dr. Jordan Walker. Pfizer Microsoft teams basically proving that he actually does work there. In this previous unreleased exchange with our undercover journalist, he not only elaborates on his claims of virus mutation and the future uses of mRNA technology, but also internal concerns within Pfizer regarding possible side effects of COVID-19 vaccine, specifically to women's menstrual cycles. So um, tell me more, like, what's developing with the whole, you know, virus mutation process? Mm-hmm. Well, they're still kind of conducting the experiments on it, but... Uh, it seems like from her, they're kind of optimizing it, but they're going slow. Everyone's very cautious, like you know. Right. Obviously, they don't want to kind of accelerate it too much. Yeah. Um, but I think they're also just trying to do it as an exploratory thing because you obviously don't want to advertise that you're trying to figure out future mutations. How would the research study be delayed for COVID stuff? Like, well, not for COVID specifically. So, like now, we're basically focusing on mRNA beyond COVID. So, okay. quite a lot of forward-looking research studies got to make sure they're on track and things like that. So, what is RNA going to be used for in the future? Uh, lots of stuff. Like can't <laughs> Wait, why not? Now, come on, I feel like I feel like there's, you know, is it, it's just going to be like what for flu, right? It'll be for other things too. There's a there's a whole list of things we're developing it for. So, yeah, well, not just for viruses. We're applying it for like oncology. Well, I'm less certain about the oncology prospects, but we're doing it for like gene editing. Like, wait, yeah. Wow. The portfolios move beyond, or at least internally, our focus areas move beyond COVID. Yeah. Like now they have like a dedicated COVID marketing team to just keep that on that. Right. And so the company has folks on like, okay, now where are we going to use this technology in the future? Because that's what we that's what's coming on now. Like, right. like no one gives a shit about COVID. <laughs> right. Like, is Pfizer going to be home? The latest from uh, Project Veritas. I gotta wonder. I assume that that the first video and this one were sort of uh, filmed at the same time, but I also like to imagine that they weren't. I like to imagine that they got they got this Tristan Jordan Walker guy talking about uh, gain of function, and then they confront him, and he has that absolute hilarious meltdown where he's yelling like, "I'm a liar!" Then he gets home at night, he's like, "I just need to relax." I'll just get on. I'll get on Grinder. I'll go on a quick date. You know, just try to have a good time. It's just another Project Veritas guy, and he's just saying exactly the same things, but even other stuff. That's what I like to imagine it being. But of course, this is uh, really no laughing matter. Here's the VARES report from OpenVARES.com: reports of miscarriage and stillbirth by year. And uh, you can see this was actually this was posted by. Uh, Twitter user Sov- uh, Sovereign Bra, but you can uh, find this on openvares.com. You can see the absolute monumental spike when it comes to 2021. F- beyond the even, like just off the chart, indescribable uptick of purported uh, miscarriages. I'd also like to know what happened around 2009. Was that swine flu? It was. It was swine flu. I wonder if that was the swine flu vaccine as well. Hard to say. Uh, but Pretty horrifying stuff, and of course, as they point out in that Project Veritas video, it probably has something to do with the hormones because, after all, you are your hormones, your beliefs, your 
understanding. Your view of the world is filtered through the lens of your hormones. So what better way to take over your mind than to take over uh, the chemicals by which you understand, see, and interact with the world? Pretty incredible stuff. And that's the latest from Project Veritas. You can find and share it on Infowars.com and Band.video. Go find the full video there. Uh, We'll be back on the other side with uh, Dan Miller of the Texas Nationalist Movement as we discuss the solution to trying to untie the Gordian knot. Spoiler alert, you just cut through it. And that's it. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You're watching The American Journal. Watch live right now at band.video. back ladies and gentlemen second hour has begun here on american journal we're still trying to connect with uh, dan miller so we'll we'll let you know whenever we uh, get him on the line having a little bit of uh, technical difficulties we are unfortunately a, a man down today uh on our crew we have the good the good news is we have so much to talk about so many videos to show you still <laughs> let's go Let's go ahead and start with this one, shall we? Let's go to uh, clip number one, just for just for a little a little break. It's Friday, you know, and we can relax on Friday. We can t- we can we can have a little fun here. And what's more fun than watching the leader of the free world stumble his way through a simple sentence? Uh, here's Joe Biden trying to make a point of some sort. Let's watch. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in, the, in my administration are women. Now, you may think that was Joe Biden misspeaking. You'd be mistaken. Some of the women in his administration, not women, right? So when he says more than half the women in my administration are women, that's true. It's very true. Less than half of them aren't women. Less, a little less than half of the women in the Biden administration aren't women. So, again, people, people are trying to make fun of Biden for this. He's being accurate, actually. It's one of those things, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, of a good example. I'm sure there's something in, in a, a wily uh, coyote cartoon of some sort where it's like you trip and fall and drop a, a bucket and just happens to put out a fire, right? It's like when enough mistakes happen in the right way, it turns out right, you know? When he's stumbling along, misspeaking in so many different ways, but also... His whole administration is so insane, it actually, like, goes back into place, right? It's like, oh, he's off, he's off, and oh, oh, somehow it fits, actually. Weird. Weird how that works. People responding to this. Four score and seven years ago, a date that will live in infamy. Uh, infamy. Ask not what your country can do from you, and more than half of the women in my administration are women. <laughs> this is going to be a right-wing statement in a little while, by the way. This will be, like, you know, in 10 years from now, when... Republicans are where Democrats are now, and they'll be bragging. They'll be like, I believe in traditional gender roles. In fact, over half of the women in my administration are actual women. And this will be like amazing. It'll be like, you know, amazing that they aren't just all transsexual. It'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> just wild, wild, insane stuff. And just like all of these headlines, like this, this is my COVID stack, all right? Like, where do I, how do I do this? 
How would you do this? If you were the host of the show and you had these headlines, which one would you focus on? Heart attacks on dramatic rise for 25 through 44 age group. Pretty big age group there. A new study has been published that links the increase in heart attacks amongst adults uh, ages 25 and 44 to COVID-19. The study was centered on the uh, Schmidt Heart Institute at Cedar sinai Medical Center and published in the Journal of uh, Medical Vi- Virology. Researchers discovered that overall heart attacks increased for all age groups since the onset of the pandemic by 14%. Strangely, though, it didn't – that spike didn't actually happen until the vaccine came out, but they didn't test that, so they can't say that. Uh, from express.co.uk – We knew COVID had been engineered to make it infectious to humans, but we're told to shut up. This a uh, whistleblower in the UK talking about how it was obvious that COVID was a man-made bioweapon from the very beginning, but they were silenced about it. Again, who silenced you? Do they have a gun to your head? No? So you just did what you were told and allowed a man-made super virus to give the New World Order the excuse they needed to impose total slavery around the world. And really, it wasn't even about the imposition of all of the crap that they did during COVID. I mean, obviously, that was a huge part of their plan. But it was also, as they readily admit at this point, a testing phase. It was to see how far they could push people and how ridiculous the demands that we would uh, uh, concede to when couched under or under the guise of medical emergency. And they figured it out. And so now they're rolling out a a whole number of even more tyrannical measures. Like, I I think the response, we failed. Basically, as humanity, we failed the test. The test was COVID. The test was, will humans go along with us or will they stand up to us and see through what we're doing? And for the vast majority of people, they didn't see through it. They fell for it. And so now they're just like, okay, great. 15-minute cities, that's on. We're going to stop cars. Let's uh, end the eating of meat. We're going to launch the digital bank, uh, central bank digital currency and the uh, digital ID, and we're going to put chips in your, in your head, and we're going to put uh, nodes in your ear that read your brainwaves so we can tell if you're uh, thinking things wrong. Like they're just doing it now because they know they can because we failed the test. So well, well done, you guys. Uh, Merck's COVID drug is causing new virus mutations, study warns. From Daily Mail, Merck's COVID drug is causing new virus mutations, study warns, amid fears in its use uh, in its use in virus-stricken China could create entirely new variants. Well, I say go ahead and just do it for a year or two and then uh, then look into it. That's my – you know, I've, I'm working at the speed of science. So I say even if you know that the medicine is causing – is causing the vaccine or causing the uh, virus itself to mutate into new forms that are more powerful and deadly, I think – I think that's something that you should just cover up and continue to uh, give out the, the medicine. I'm a scientist. 100% of COVID deaths in Canada now due to mRNA vaccine. New, da- new data shows. Utimes.net. New data shows 100% of COVID deaths in Canada. This says being caused by the mRNA vaccine. But I would say it's just it's the more vaccines you have, the more likely you are to die from COVID. So it may be a little bit of an extreme headline, but the information is overall accurate. Health Canada, Health Canada data shows just under 16,000 deaths occurred due to COVID, almost doubled the number of deaths in 2020 when citizens were unprotected by the vaccine. And again, it's just like nobody uh, – basically what it's saying is that if you weren't vaccinated, you don't die from, the vac- from COVID. If you did not get the vaccine, 
then you probably will not die from COVID. If you got the vaccine, you're more likely to die. If you got multiple doses of the vaccine, you're increasingly likely to die. How does California define in COVID-19 misinformation? Judges disagree, but doctors are expected to know. Which is, and again, it, it's all, again, I, I just can't help but see the continuity, see the through line here where it's like, then why did you pass this law? Why did you pass this law before you had a definition of the words that you were using in the law? Is this just like, we'll pass it and then we'll read it later? We'll, we'll pass the law and then we'll decide what the words mean later. Really? That's, that's where you went with this? We'll just, we'll inoculate a billion people with the vaccine, then we'll test it for safety? Right? This week, federal judge said California's definition of COVID-19 misinformation that can trigger disciplinary action against physicians is unconstitutionally vague. But in another case involving the – here's the problem though. Even if it was not vague, even if it was extremely specific and well-defined, it would still be unconstitutional. So that's concerning that you're worried about the fact that it's vague when in reality, even if it was – it's almost like the more exact it is – the more illegal it is, right? It's just incredibly bizarre. This is, of course, about AB 2098, which has, for the time being, been temporarily paused by a court order. But they'll just they'll tweak some words. Uh, right now, the, the issue is that they can't define misinformation, so they'll just define misinformation and then pass it that way. New York Times, the gray lady, the, the newspaper of record, has finally started to notice why are so many Americans dying right now? <laughs> what could it be? Oh, whatever could it be? About 1.1 million Americans have officially died from COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic, a number that may be familiar by now. Well, it's familiar because they keep changing that number, actually. Actually, it turns out that maybe up to something like 90% of those were not dying from COVID, but simply with COVID, and they've finally admitted that. So again, this is just one day. This is just one day of COVID news, just one day of COVID information. And we could spend 10 or 12 shows just on these stories that have been released. But when we get back, we have connected. He is on the line, Dan Miller of Texas Nationalist Movement. We will uh, get with him to talk about how much we love the federal government and how we just we want nothing but good things for them. We just don't want to be associated with them. The second American revolution is happening right now against the New World Order. And the answer to their 1984 tyranny is the 1776 mindset. And InfoWars embodies that fight for human liberty against globalist tyranny. Now, in the last year, we've done a very successful fundraiser of silver coins. When you buy the coin, you know that you are supporting the transmission and you get a historical memento so you can remember the great contribution you made to freedom. Now, despite the fact that the coins are selling out, the last of the four coin series, Teddy Roosevelt, Man the Arena, we're offering it for $30 off right now while supplies last at 1776coin.com. And just like an NPR pledge drive where they mark up a coffee cup or a t-shirt or a DVD 300%, that's what we've done with this because it's a fundraiser. But despite that, we're offering $30 off exclusively at 1776 on what coins remain. Please go to 1776coin.com right now. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. 
we are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The American Journal, Infowars.com. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. My guest is Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement and author of the book Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. He's been a featured guest on Fox News, CNN, CNBC, BBC, RTTV, and many other news outlets, most importantly, InfoWars. Miller has been a vocal proponent of a fundamental re-examination of the relationship between all states and the federal union. You can find their website at tnm.me, tnm as in Texas Nationalist Movement, tnm.me. Thank you so much for joining us once again, Mr. Miller. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm very glad to have you back, and, and this is at, you're actually back by popular demand. We had a caller earlier today that reminded me it had been far too long since we talked about this topic as we have to continually cover the, the federal government, and yet there's this ray of hope, this, this possibility that we could just <laughs> dislocate ourselves from them and never have to worry about them ever again. So, again, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Yeah, man, I got I got to love the popular demand thing. I mean, I, I can remember the early days of this when people would just pay us to leave. So you know, uh, you know, it's it's like I said. I think I said it last time. You know, when we when we kicked off the TNM in two thousand five, the issue of tax it was polling in single digits. Uh, but the upside is is that it's always polled higher than the approval rating of the U.S. Congress, which typically polls below leprosy. So uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's it only took uh, you know twenty years to become an overnight success. Well, hey, slow and steady wins the race, man. And uh, it's just been an upward trajectory the whole time. And really, you know, you guys are actually sort of changing the way that that you're approaching things. I've noticed, and I was talking to you about this uh, just during the, the break here, and I'd love for you to, to tell people what you guys are doing because you're, you're really starting to take over social media. You have like TikTok-style videos coming out, calling them TikTok videos – <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't give them enough respect because they're actually really good short videos that make the argument for, for Texit. And we've played a couple videos on here uh, on the American Journal, and you have, uh, they're all over Twitter and stuff. Tell us, why, are you, why do you guys uh, – why have you decided it's important to start making these little, uh, these little pieces that you've made? Well, look, the Texas issue and and all the things that go along with it uh, have a tendency to be a bit long-winded. You know, I mean, there are no typically no short answers to some of the questions. There are absolute concrete answers, but none of them are typically short. So, you know, one of the things that, that we wanted to make sure to do is be able to encapsulate uh, some of these answers, you know, handle some of the, the misinformation and outright disinformation that the opposition throws out there about the Texas issue uh, and and make it uh, easily digestible and shareable and that's exactly what we've uh, that's exactly what we've done with these videos 
And have you have you had pretty good success on this? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned TikTok. Um, you know, we had uh, for quite some time not uh, engaged on TikTok at all, um, and we were. Uh, really told we were told that that we were missing sort of a key demographic you know really getting taxed to to a, a younger demographic and and they said TikTok was the way to go so our, our comm team spun up a TikTok account from scratch they posted the first Texit video uh, and it almost immediately garnered over a million views and so it's been uh, you know steady on that that format of course we're doing YouTube shorts we're posting those short videos all over the place uh, but oddly enough, as as uh, all the videos on the TikTok account, less than a month, nudged up toward about 3 million views, uh, TikTok jerked our account. Uh, no warning, no strikes, no nothing. Uh, so, you know, we're currently engaged in a, in a lawsuit against Meta or Facebook, whatever you want to call them, uh, under the Texas uh, anti-social media censorship law. Uh, and we, you know, we just let TikTok know in no uncertain terms. Uh, you know, look, we filed, we went toe-to-toe with Meta. If you think you guys are immune uh we'll see you in court I, I think that's fantastic and i mean that's really incredible anybody who's used tiktok knows it's not it's not easy to get a million views on there i mean usually it takes a while and eventually you'll get something that sort of hit but i mean to get a million views that shows that there is real hunger out there for this type of information i mean that is that is real that's the proof is in the pudding and, and that's the pudding right there so uh, i think that's in, that's incredible where can people find these videos and, and hear the arguments and share them uh, with people and upload them to their own tiktok accounts if they want yeah, you know, we've got, uh, of course, our, our website is always a great clearinghouse, right? If they go to tnm.me or texitnow.org, either one, uh, it's a good jumping off point to uh, hit all of our social media accounts. But, I mean, we're we're full spectrum here. Those videos, our, our social media work is, is going uh, across every platform we can possibly get. So if you search uh, for Texas Nationalist Movement, uh, you see the account name right there on the screen. That is our account name on every single solitary platform that's out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, worst case scenario, just search for Texit. You'll find us. I, believe me, we're not hard to find. No, I, I think that's great. And again, this isn't just for our Texas audience. I mean, there are secessionist movements going on sort of around the country. You've got, you know, people in uh, Oregon who want to be a part of Idaho, people in California want to be their own state. So, I mean, this is something that anybody can get behind, especially if you want to maybe come to Texas and help us out. It, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you want to be free from the United States federal government, we can all do it together here in Texas. But we talk a little bit about that, about how this the, this really is a, a great solution to so many problems that we see coming out of Washington. Yeah, look, and Harrison, I'll even pull it back out. I mean, obviously for us, um, you know, this is the the shortest and quickest way to cut the the Gordian knot. You know, to untangle mm-hmm. is to cut it. And and for us, you know, when we look at the the issues that we're facing here in Texas, uh, we have to understand that so many of the problems and challenges that we're we're facing here. Whether it's uh, the border crisis, whether it's uh, you know taxation policies or monetary policies, or even corrupt officials in Austin, uh, mm-hmm. the source of much of that can be traced right back to our relationship inside this political and economic union called the United States. And and the way that you cure that uh, is is to become a self governing independent nation and take your destiny in your own hands. Uh, that being said, you you mention these independence movements around the United States, like the one. In 
in New Hampshire or mm-hmm. the CalExit movement or uh, the one that's starting to form up in Florida or, you know, the Alaskan Independence Party, which has been around since the 80s. Um, you know, but we have to also, I think, pull this back even further and realize that this movement for self-government and self-determination is is really global. You know, at the end of World War II, there were roughly 54 recognized countries around the world. And by the end of the 20th century, there were about 192. Wow. Uh, those countries didn't fall from space and the earth didn't get any bigger. There were people like us who said that they wanted to govern themselves. And so you look around the world right now. You know, one of uh, one of the folks that's consulting for us is a man named Dr. Matt Quartrop, uh, who he's a professor at Coventry University in the U.K., a visiting professor at Australian National University, and, and he's one of the foremost leading experts on independence referenda around the world, uh, having consulted on 17 different independence referendums. Uh, and, you know, in talking with him about this issue, he he is beginning to understand from an academic perspective that 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 global trend is washing uh, ashore here in North America. And the reason being is quite simple. This breakout of independence is a natural response to globalism, yeah. right? As, as the globalists advance their, their activities and their desire uh, to, to subjugate mankind, I, I think it's very clear that the thing that they detest more than anything else, uh, probably, probably as much as they detest personal liberty and freedom, they detest the very concept of a nation state. Of course, and it's, so, it's, it's completely antithetical to their entire concept. They want consolidation. We want independence. It, it's the antidote. It really is. We'll be back on the other side. Daniel Miller from the Texas Nationalist Movement, TNM.me. The cavalry has arrived. Ultimate bone broth is the strongest, highest quality chicken-based bone broth you're going to find with all of the effects for your joints, your bones, your muscles, your heart, but more importantly, your immune system. Everybody knows about grandma and chicken broth. Well, this is concentrated chicken broth, the strongest out there with chaga mushroom and a whole bunch of other ingredients like turmeric. The list goes on and on. This is definitely the strongest, best bone broth out there and your purchase supports the Info War, a 360 win. If you've not experienced bone broth, and even the regular ones have great effects, believe me, you want to get InfoWars Life Ultimate Bone Broth at InfoWarsTore.com. Now, it'll take an hour to tell you all the great stuff about it. Just go to InfoWarsTore.com, read the facts there, and then order some, and you can't lose. It's nutritive, it empowers your body, it's great for your immune system, bones and joints, and it funds the InfoWar. So, Ultimate Bone Broth, now back in stock at InfoWarsTore.com for 25% off. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My guest is Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement. We're trying to break away. It's a movement called Texit. And, uh, you know, back back in the day when people first talked about this, it seemed far-fetched. It seems increasingly more likely or we seem keep uh, more increasingly more capable of pulling something like this off and really just, you know, demanding that we that we be represented by the people that, that claim to represent us in ways that is just not happening in Washington, D.C. But even if you think it's it's just far-fetched, it's, it's unrealistic, I can I can hear you out there. People have these these objections. Then why are we, why are they being censored so much? Why are 
are social media companies kicking them off the platform? Why is TikTok targeting them for deletion? Because they're scared of this information getting out. This is an effective movement, and the people in power know that, and so they're trying to shut it down. Uh, Daniel, tell us about how you're being shut down and what the Texas Nationalist Movement is doing to to fight back against the uh, social media companies. Yeah, I mean, so let's lay the groundwork here. Uh, People have to understand that even under a cloud of of cancel culture, censorship, you know, we've been around since 2005, and outside of the two major political parties, the TNM is the single largest political advocacy organization in the state, hands down, okay? Mm-hmm. So we, we've had that size. We've had legislation passed. I mean, we, we've had successes, and we know that the polling numbers, the third-party polling, shows beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that if if Texas goes to uh, a vote of the Texas voters tomorrow, uh, it wins, and it wins probably by about 10 or 15 percent points. So, uh, you know, we're, we're positioned in probably the best place you could possibly be. And so we're, so just to kind of give you an idea of, of, of how this reaction is happening, you know, beyond mainstream media spiking stories, um, we started getting, uh, censored by Facebook. Okay. So Facebook is probably, you know, we have, I think about 220, 250,000 fans on the page, but more than that, it is the single largest, uh, social media platform used by Texas voters. So um, we noticed back in October that uh, uh, links to the Texit section of our website, specifically where you get answers on, on Texit, um, those links were being rejected as a violation of community standards by Facebook. And through a little bit more research, um, we found out that they were classifying uh, Texit information as dangerous or harmful organization or individual. So Texas, in the last legislative session, passed a law that forbids uh, social, large social media platforms from engaging in viewpoint discrimination. So uh, the TNM and, and me uh, together got with attorney Paul Davis, and we filed the first lawsuit under that law uh, against Facebook. Uh, since then, Facebook has uh, Facebook's attorneys have decided that they want to pivot this issue and not make it just about what they feel is the constitutionality of Texas law, but they want to make it about whether or not we can even discuss the issue of Texas withdrawing from the union. They specifically mentioned that te- uh, the Supreme Court case of Texas versus White, the unconstitutionality of it, and, and our message back, and it literally says it in our brief, uh, if, if you want to make this about the right of self-determination about Texas versus White, uh, then to quote Doc Holliday and Tombstone, I'm your huckleberry. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll argue uh, the the primary right of self-determination uh, every single day of the week, twice on Sundays, and I don't care how many high-powered lawyers they want to bring into court, uh, we're going to kick their butt all the way back to California, which incidentally is where they're trying to move this lawsuit to. So mm. uh, our, our first actual hearing on this is going to be February the 9th, uh, and I'm going to be there with bells on. Uh, I'm looking forward to putting a stake through the heart of probably one of the most heinous Supreme Court decisions ever rendered, and that is Texas versus White. Well, I think that's excellent, and it really says something that they're trying to fight it. I mean it would probably be a lot easier for them to go, all right, all right, fine. We'll give Texas Nationalist Movement this one just to avoid the rigmarole of having to go through a lawsuit, but they're they're fighting it. Here's a we we tried right so they removed so the day the second batch of Twitter files dropped that showed 
collusion, direct collusion from the federal government to the social media platforms, including Facebook, we got a call from Facebook's attorneys saying that they had removed the restriction on the link and asked us to drop the lawsuit. And we said, look, uh, we want three things. Number one, we want attorney's fees. Number two, we want a permanent uh, ban on restricting us as long as we follow the rules, right? Not unreasonable. And the third thing is we want a public apology. We have carefully crafted our reputation uh, as a peaceful political legislative movement. Texit is a political movement, not some, you know, not like they're trying to characterize like we're ISIS, mm-hmm. right? And, and and they said, absolutely not. We're not going to give you an apology. We said, all right, fine. We'll see you in court. You oh, know, we're well, not going to drop. Well, that's what we need. Uh, aggressive people actually uh, fighting back and not just taking what's ever given to them. That's that's the way forward. And again, it's just I guess it's typical, but that's what they do. Right. First, they say, uh, well, this is a, a dangerous link. You go, we're not a dangerous link. Oh, well, they're they're supporting hate. and violence. No, we're not supporting. Well, they're unconstitutional. It just it doesn't matter whatever excuse they can use to try to shut you down. When in reality, this is the peaceful solution. This is democracy in action, you know, if you were to put it to a vote. So it's all the things that they claim to love, that they claim to want, and yet when it's uh, Texas doing it, suddenly it's it's dangerous and it can't be allowed. It, I mean, it's so absurd. Well, it's because they think we're, they know we're going to win, right? I mean, they've seen the same poll numbers we've we've seen, right? And And those are not our poll numbers. So they understand that as this issue is promulgated and, and becomes more popularized, which it's already there, uh, you know that that poll back in in the summer from Survey USA uh, that showed that 66% of likely Texas voters would vote for Texas. You couple that with the fact that the Republican Party of Texas added not one but two planks to its party platform calling for a vote on Texas, and, and these guys are rattled. I mean, they they understand. I, I think they're coming to the realization now uh, that we're everywhere. They mm. can they can't walk out their door and throw a rock without hitting a Texas supporter in the head and maybe a second one on the ricochet. Right. Right. And so, uh, you know, this is, this is, um, I think now what they perceive as a threat and just the idea. I mean, think about how radical that is, right? All we're doing is we're saying the Texas constitution in article one, section two says that all political powers inherent in the people and the people have the inalienable right to alter reform or abolish their government in such manner as they may think expedient. That's, that is what they are referring to as radical, something that is referred to in our constitution as an inalienable right. Well, guess what fellas, tough cookies, right? We're going to shout that from the mountaintop. Uh, we're going to continue to pursue this and give the people of Texas the right to have a vote on whether or not they should reassert their status as an independent nation. And now that our proposed legislation is out of ledge council and, and should be filed here soon in this legislative session, we're one step closer to having a vote on Texas in November of 2023. See, that's extremely exciting. That's where I wanted to take this next because it's not just on social media. It's not just talking about this and you know being popular on the internet. There's concrete actions being taken. So uh, I'd love for you to expand on that. Where are we in the legislative uh, process right now when it comes to getting a Texit bill for us to vote on? Yeah, so uh, just a, a little backfill for, for folks. Uh, last session, State Representative Kyle Biederman filed the Texas Independence Referendum Act, which was our draft legislation uh, to give Texans a vote on the issue. Uh, it gets it got stymied in committee, right? It got bogged down in the State Affairs Committee, and, and you know, we ran out of time. We've got 140 days every other year. Uh, and so, you know, it was it was 
pretty difficult, but I mean, you have to remember this was the first time that legislation like this had ever even been considered uh, in a legislative body in Texas in a very long time. So, I mean, massive progress, something that people said couldn't be done. So here we are at another legislative session, and it goes through this process where it has to go to the Texas Legislative Council, where they vet the language to make sure that it's consistent and you know formatting and all that kind of nonsense. And sometimes that process takes a bit, but we got word that it has made it out of ledge council and now it's waiting for uh, a legislator to file it so we're working with several legislators right now uh, to get the legislation filed uh, we're not even at a point the house hasn't even appointed committees yet right so we got plenty of time uh, but you know we're we're gonna need people uh, to go out there and help us make this a reality and that's and that's what we'll talk about on the other side how you can get involved how you can help us out how you can spread the word again it's daniel miller president of the texas nationalist movement tnm.me to find out more and to share the links and videos and social media and everything. We'll be right back. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. The cavalry has arrived. Ultimate Bone Broth is the strongest, highest quality chicken-based bone broth you're going to find with all of the effects for your joints, your bones, your muscles, your heart, but more importantly, your immune system. Everybody knows about grandma and chicken broth. Well, this is concentrated chicken broth, the strongest out there with chaga mushroom and a whole bunch of other ingredients like turmeric. The list goes on and on. This is definitely the strongest, best bone broth out there, and your purchase supports the Info War, a 360 win. If you've not experienced bone broth, and even the regular ones have great effects, believe me, you want to get InfoWars Life Ultimate Bone Broth at InfoWarsTore.com. Now, it would take an hour to tell you all the great stuff about it. Just go to InfoWarsTore.com, read the facts there, and then order some, and you can't lose. It's nutritive. It empowers your body. It's great for your immune system, bones and joints, and it funds the InfoWar. So, Ultimate Bone Broth, now back in stock at InfoWarsTore.com for 25% off. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, is my guest. Uh, the new session, uh, the legislative session, correct me if I'm wrong, begins February 9th. So coming coming right up, and there's Texit bills being moved through the process. It's really exciting stuff. How can people get involved in supporting this? Obviously, they can go to tnm.me. 
of course, and they can get the book, Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union and Get Involved That Way Through Social Media, et cetera. But you know, on the legislative front, how can people get involved and how can they, if anything, pressure their local representatives? Yeah. So, I mean, this is ultimately the strategy. This is, this is where, uh, this is where Texans have to take their destiny into their own hands. If you want Texas to happen, right. If you want it to become a reality, um, you know, I, I say this all the time, Sam Houston didn't win San Jacinto with a bunch of cheerleaders, right? We, we've got plenty of spectators in the stands, uh, but we need people, we need people on the field, uh, carrying this ball forward. And, and the number one way you can do that is, is of course, go to the website, register your support, uh, because there's strength in numbers and connect with us, right? It's not any good if there's a, a bunch of us out here that we cannot organize to effective and disciplined action. Um, but you know, secondary to that, because one of the things we're telling all of our supporters to do right now is call their state rep and call their state senator and and tell them, look, I am a constituent and I want a vote on Texas in November and and demand their support for the Texas Independence Referendum Act. Now, the good news is for people that are just now coming uh, to you know terms with this and, and learning about this issue, uh, you can go to our website. You can download a copy of the bill. You can uh, download a, a synopsis of, of what the bill does, what it doesn't do, uh, so you can get as informed as, as possible. And if you go to texitnow.org, uh, you're going to get answers to the 100 most ask questions on the Texas issue so you can handle any sort of objections that your representative or senator may throw up. Here, here's my suggestion. Call your state uh, representative and say, how would you like to be a national representative with this one simple <laughs> trick? You can actually be in a national government. All we have to do is declare independence. But seriously, yeah, get involved. And again, so many people, I get calls all the time going, what can we do? How do we get involved? Here's a movement that's effective, that's already in operation in the state capitol. This is something you can sign on to, you can help with, you can contribute to. Uh, it really is an amazing thing, what you guys have done in the past a decade and a half, uh, and that you continue to do, and we just continue to see it accelerating and, and getting bigger and better. Texitnow.org is the website once again. Here's one thing I want to ask you. We have seen Brexit. We saw Brexit succeed against all odds. It was a total you know, lesson for us that, that we can do this. Look at what they did. They all said it was impossible. The mainstream media was against it. Everybody was against it, but the people were for it, and so it succeeded. But now that's been a couple years we're sort of disappointed in the results. What's happened? Nobody's even talking about it anymore. Is Brexit in? Is it out? Are they even talking about it? So have you looked at that? Have you taken lessons from that? And how are you going to avoid that in the future uh, that they you know, pass this vote and then it just doesn't go anywhere? Have you taken that into account? Yeah. I mean, we, Harrison, we communicate and coordinate with independence movements around the world and and you know the brexit movement uh, at the time the uk independence party and then the brexit party no different right one of the members of our advisory board was a regional organizer uh for ukip and then the brexit party so uh you know we we keep our finger on the pulse because we have to learn as much as we possibly can and of course we share what we've done and what we've learned with other independence movements as well uh that said you know one thing that people need to understand about Brexit is that there are people that never got over uh, the fact they lost that vote. And the the main takeaway, if, if you're looking at a lesson that you need to learn or that independence movements need to learn, and it's quite simply this, um, when you vote to reassert your independence, you cannot allow elected officials to stay in office 
that opposed your independence. And, and that's ultimately what the, you know, happened with Brexit. Now, Brexit is sort of half done and half not done. Um, but the remainers are still campaigning hard. They're still embedded in government in the UK. Uh, and literally people talk about how, uh, you know, Brexit has been such a failure. Well, that's not true. Brexit hasn't really been a failure. Uh, the problem has been is that the remainers and those embedded in the median government continue to blame every misfortune that has befallen the UK since Brexit on Brexit. Mm. Uh, you know, not, not COVID and bad government policy on lockdowns or global recession or supply chain issues or anything else, it's all Brexit uh, smearing, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I take the position that Farage takes that, uh, you know, people like Daniel Hannon uh, and, you know, take a look at it and say, look, guys, the numbers don't bear out that Brexit has been a failure. In fact, what we're seeing is we're seeing quite the opposite, is that had uh, Brexit not happened, uh, there probably would have been greater catastrophes that have befallen the UK and trade in the economy. Uh, but they do have internal governance issues. That said, uh, I think it's important how we apply that here in Texas. And it's quite simply this. <clears throat> the good news is, is that we don't have these elongated election cycles like the UK, right? We're every two years, we're back in the polling place. And, uh, you know, that's, that's actually works to our favor. Um, but we also have to look at, at how the math works out. We know that uh, average globally for independence referenda, voter turnout is about 85%. So what does that look like here in Texas with a 60 or 65% win? Well, that means that about 8.5 to 10 million Texans are going to go to the polls and vote in favor of Texas independence. Well, when you have that many people that go and vote in favor of a particular issue like this, and you have elected officials susceptible to being removed from office within a two-year span if they don't carry that out, those eight to 10 million people don't go away. As a matter of fact, that would be, that would represent the largest voting block to ever move through the Texas election. So, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. If you want to break the back of the political establishment and weed out those people that are in Austin, that are just terrible, uh, Texas is the way that you do that because the number of people that will come out and expect to have their destiny handed back to them uh, is enough to win any election in Texas and blow all of the detritus out of the sewer pipes uh, that have been coming in from Washington, D.C. all these years. It really, it really does give me hope. I mean, honestly, I really, I love this so much. And I think it's such a a fantastic uh, concept idea. I mean, it's just, it's, it's inherent, it's, intrinsically positive to return uh, control back to a, a smaller realm so it's you have more oversight you have more say your vote matters more because there's less people in the voting pool i mean it's such a it's such a positive thing but of course we know the way that that the you know champions of democracy in the halls of power whether it's in uh, london or washington dc they love democracy as long as it goes in their favor but as soon as you vote against them all of a sudden it doesn't really matter that much what the results of the referendum are we're going to do it our way or or we're going to make you vote again in again until you get it right next time so uh we we can't let that happen so it's good i'm glad to know that you guys are taking a look at that and uh, thinking forward that and of course as i understand it and i don't understand it that well you understand it much better than i do uh, the bills that are in process right now they aren't to exit they're to study what exiting will look like i mean this is a long game you guys are playing this isn't a flash in the pan we're just going to try to win this game and then see what happens you guys have a very long-standing 
uh, you know, pattern and, and tradition and you know, forethought as you move forward through this. It's a long-term trajectory, not a short-term you know, victory that you're after. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, look, for us, when we founded the TNM, we did a two-year-long study uh, ahead of the formation of the TNM uh, back in 2005, where we studied independence movements around the world. And, and we took those lessons learned and we applied them. And, and we knew that we had to be very deliberate. We had to be very methodical. Uh, and and we had to be very disciplined in, in what we do. And frankly, that's been the only way that we've been able to bring this issue as far as we have and, and be resistant and resistant resilient uh, against bad actors and those that oppose us. So, um, you know, the fact is, is that where we stand right now, if you look at the Texas Independence Referendum Act, it really does two things. Number one is it it gives the people of Texas a vote. Uh, And it would be uh, when it passes in this session, it would be in November of 2023 when we have our normal constitutional amendment election. Even though it's not a constitutional amendment, it would be on the same ballot. And, And it just asks a simple question. Should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation. And then beyond that, the bill, the legislation calls for the creation of a committee to uh, not study it, but to, in fact, uh, develop that transitional plan that addresses the four issues, constitutional, statutory, international covenants, treaties, and agreements, and finally, the negotiated issues with the federal government, and and to come up to come up with a valid in, uh, plan for that. And, of course, that is all tied, the timing of that is tied to the election cycle so that we can, indeed, look and see what the work product is and then judge the people that are responsible for drafting it uh, at the polls as necessary based off of what they've actually done. So It's, it's uh, so great. I, I wish we had more time. I mean, time has flown so uh, by so fast. Daniel Miller, Texas Nationalist Movement, TNM.me uh, or TexitNow.org. Go sign up. Go watch the videos. Share the videos. They're on social media. They're everywhere. Thank you once again for being with us, Mr. Miller. Mark Twain, one of America's greatest writers and satirists in minds famously said more than 150 years ago, rumors of his demise had been greatly exaggerated because the newspapers kept saying he died decades before he did die. And it's the same PSYOP today. InfoWars is more influential and more powerful than ever because of your support and because of the facts of what we've covered is coming true. But if they can convince you we've been shut down, if they can convince you that we're going away and you stop supporting, you stop spreading the word, then they do win. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one group of people that can shut down InfoWars, and that's you, the viewers and listeners. If you decide we're done, we're done. If you decide to go to InfoWarsStore.com and get supplements and books and films and t-shirts and so much more, we will stay on the air indefinitely. It is all in your hands. So thanks for your support. Stand up against the globalists. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and keep us on air. It's up to you.